joining us right now, we have a couple of very special guests. Yeah. First of all, celebrity status. Diane Carlson Evans joins us now, and you came all the way in from Montana for this? I did. Thank you so much. How are you? I, I'm a little warmer here. <laughs> Weather in Montana's a little colder. How, how, many, how many inches of snow in Montana? 20 in Bozeman when wow. I left 20 in night. Bozeman. And zero degrees. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. And we have had such a morning here. And... Let's welcome Dan Butcher here. Dan is the main man here at the War Memorial since January of 2020. Yeah. And uh, something happened like the month after you took over. But as you alluded to, you're a combat vet. So, you know, that you're, you're used to this. Well, COVID came in and, you know, there was a lot of unknown as we all experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's we vets, we combat vets. Um, you, you're kind of trained to be able to deal with uh, the unknown. You try to prepare for it. And I think uh, our team and all the other veterans that we've talked to just, you know, said, all right, let's do this. Let's figure this out. So, uh, yeah, you don't uh, whimper. You just get going. Diane, uh, the Vietnam Women's Memorial Foundation. Talk a little bit about um, how you got that started. Well, it's a long story, and I'll try to keep it short for this interview. I was living in River Falls, Wisconsin. I, we, my husband and I lived there for almost 10 years, from 1980 to 89. In 1982, 40 years ago today, wall was dedicated in Washington, D.C. When I learned that we were going to have a memorial, uh, memorializing those who died, I told my husband, I said, I need to go. I have to be there. I have to find some names. I said, but I went to Vietnam alone. I came home alone. And I have to do this alone. And I didn't want my husband to be with me. You did not? No. He wasn't in Vietnam, but he was a veteran. He had done his surgery residency at Brook Army Medical Hospital for five years, taking care, operating on Vietnam veterans coming home. Mm -hmm. So he certainly understood. But it was something I needed to do, and it was life-changing. I found two names I could remember, but I looked up at the the plates from 68 to 69 and they were the widest and the tallest and those were the two years where we lost so many thousands of these wonderful young men and what happened was my biggest fear I started to cry I had never cried over Vietnam and my husband my dear husband who's been my rock my whole life said, honey, you're the strangest woman. You don't cry. (laughs) And and I was afraid I'd break down and cry in front of him. And I was going to, I was strong and tried to be strong and said, Vietnam, I put it behind me. Well, I hadn't. Mm -hmm. I had never grieved over those young men who died. I had never had a wake. I had never cried over them. I just had to survive. And my way of surviving was basically to deny that I was there. And then I went home, and I went into a depression. We talk about suicide, and I know what that's like. Because as a woman Vietnam veteran, people don't think about the women who serve in combat, that maybe they too have... Um, post-traumatic stress or depression 
uh, memories that are hard to overcome. And the good news from this is that in 1983, when I learned that there would be a statue now commemorating the men who came home, a statue for the living, and they dedicated it in 84, um, sculpted by Frederick Hart, three service men. Mm -hmm. I was there for that too. I came home and I said to my husband, honey, the, this statue for the men, if they're, if they're going to have one for the men, there has to be one for the women. Right. And he said, well, yeah, I agree with that, but who's going to do that? And? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, honey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do something. It saved my life. It truly did, because now I had a purpose. I had another mission. My Vietnam chapter hadn't closed. It was still open. I still had work to do. My mission wasn't over in saving lives. And I cared for the physical wounds in Vietnam. And I cared for the injuries, the casualties. And now I thought, it's time to heal our wounds, the emotional wounds. And the men were now coming out of the woodwork and um, developing their own mission as to building, a vet, building vet centers in, across the United States for veterans to have a place to go for counseling. They were demanding in Congress that the, the um, Agent Orange was killing us in large numbers. The men were getting um, uh, energized mm -hmm. to do what needed to be done to save their lives. But us women, I would have to say, we weren't really ignored, not by our brother veterans, who very much remembered us being there for them in the hospitals, but it, it, it took some leadership from the women themselves to get it started. So the reason I'm in Wisconsin right now, sitting here talking to you, I will tell you, it's because when Glenn Fieber, a dear friend who I've known for many years, and when I lived in Wisconsin, um, I met so many of the Wisconsin veterans here. When he called to ask me if I'd come to speak today, I was going to Washington, D.C. to be there for the wall, the 40th dedication, because I was there 40 years ago, right. the 40th anniversary. And I said, Glenn, I'm supposed to be in Wisconsin. <laughs> I am coming to say thank you, because wow. those, those nine years that I lived here were the years that I was... Um, lobbying to build a memorial to honor women. And my brother and sister veterans in this state are the people who got behind me and the effort and the mission. And without them, there wouldn't be a Vietnam Women's Memorial. I didn't do this alone. It took a, it took a team to build the dream. Mm -hmm. And that team was my sister and brother veterans. And they got behind the effort through fundraising. They um, um, publicity, and um, they also wrote to Congress because we had to get two bills passed in Congress to be allowed to have a memorial on the mall. And so it was the Wisconsin people who got behind this effort, but Wisconsin is very patriotic, I think. Mm -hmm. And they, these men, mostly men because the majority of men, <laughs> the majority of veterans were men. When I was in the military, women were less than 1% of the entire force. Wow. So I was less than 1%. But that doesn't mean we should be forgotten. 
Correct. And we look at the contribution of what these women did. We saved over 300,000. Over 300,000 men were wounded in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. We were there for them. Over 58,000 died, and we were there for them too. And if the men belong at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, we belong there too because we were in Vietnam. If we belonged with them in Vietnam, we belong at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. But the long story of of this is, why did it take 10 years? It took 10 years because there were a lot of men in D.C. who opposed it. Really? Yes. Powerful men with big names. And um, they said, basically, women don't deserve to have a monument on the mall. They didn't carry a weapon. And there were only 10,000 of them in Vietnam. And so I had to build, I had to be influential as to how to convince these people who were with federal agencies and in Congress who had the power to um, oppose our statue, our monument. And so I said, well, if you want to talk about numbers, maybe there were only 10,000 of us in Vietnam, but we saved thousands of lives. And that wall would be much higher and much wider, if not for the nurses and the women who were there. So today is the 40th anniversary that you mentioned. Today is also the 65th anniversary of them actually opening up the war memorial here in Milwaukee. So, Dan, you just informed us of some amazing things about the war memorial. Yeah. All right. Talk about how what this structure actually is is and what it what the symbolism is behind the structure. So those of you who are listening, um, I'm holding up one of the original brochures that accompanied the construction. It was the largest fundraising effort. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. You know, we're associated with Milwaukee County, but we run this. And um, they built it after the architect interviews four D-Day vets who hit the the beaches on June 6, 1944, one of which is still alive, by the way, and I've interviewed him. We've got a video. And when you look at the original footprint, This was to be, the water was going to be filled in Lake Michigan to 200 yards. And that was the distance that they had to go when they hit the beaches on June 6th Mm -hmm. under withering fire. You know, you've all seen that iconic imagery of them hitting the beaches to take out the pillbox. This is actually inspired to be an elevated pillbox overlooking the water. Um, It's a cross. It's a service member who has passed lying in state. And so we're actually in the base of the cross right now. So the building is a cross. The building is a cross. And there's an eternal flame in the center. It's outside. It's in what's called Veterans courtyard Mm -hmm. and in fact it's not right in the center it's a little bit to the left as you would be lying because that's where your heart would be so this is a war memorial and we in the the mission is honor our dead honor our fallen serve the living and just like what diane was just touching on we continue to live and make a purpose have purpose and so there's so many things outside of the structure but the symbolism um they never filled the water in that far you know imagine trying to do that today with dnr restrictions yeah yeah but um you can see how it was originally set and this was just a beacon uh, and it still is a beacon, and that's where we're taking this. And it won all kinds of awards when it mm-hmm. opened 65 years ago. And the influential, I mean, the the, the architect was unbelievably influential. Um, yeah. His name was... Arrow Sarnin. Sarnin. And he designed not just the War Memorial, but some of the oh. most iconic buildings around. Well, the Arch in St. Louis, the Archway mm-hmm. Arch, uh, the, uh, the Gateway Arch. Right. Um, I mean, terminals at Dulles, terminals at JFK, the TWA terminal, if you fly through JFK today, it's now hotel. It's called the TWA Hotel. Right, right, yeah. um, in fact, if you go in there, they have a mu- museum about him there. Internationally, uh, the uh, 
time to and, see. And his, his incredible skill set actually was admired by Calatrava and the, right? I mean, there's the a, there's a connection there. Yeah, there are articles. I've never had the chance to talk with Mr. Calatrava, but there are articles written about Saarinen as one of Calatrava's main influences. And if you look at the Calatrava, which, by the way, was his first structure in the U.S., was the Milwaukee Art Museum Calatrava, mm-hmm. there's architectural features of the TWA um, 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 the terminal, terminal yeah. in JFK, you're going to see some of the arches, how the glass kicks out. And I can only assume what he was trying to do was show the dynamic vision of Sarnin um, and his like scope of vision and capability. So people will say this place looks like a bunker. Well, it's a pillbox of Normandy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a cross. And then you have some of the other more dynamic features of Mr. Sarnin and what he, he dies young, 51 in 1961, brain mm-hmm. cancer. I mean, if he lives another decade or two, he's the biggest, the biggest architect known in world history. Yeah, well, you know, no doubt. I've lived here my whole life, drive past this all the time, and I never realized any of that. And I'm just looking at the pictures online, and you, yeah, you can totally see that. That's pretty amazing. That's it a is, great story. It's, in, it's incredible. Uh, Diane, one of the things we discussed before we went on the air is the national tragedy that is our veterans committing suicide. And the rates continue to rise. So, um, what what can we do as a community, as citizens of our country, to help veterans? What can we do? It's what so many of us. It's it's what so many of us have already been doing for so many years, and it's so hard. It's so hard to understand when we go to these veterans, and I've been with so many of them, and so many of my friends have committed suicide, and I've sat with them, and one here in Wisconsin, and and I won't name his name, but I was with him all day. And I got a phone call late at night, and he said to me, Diane, I can't live without her. And I thought, is this his last call? The next day, went out and found him. And yet I had listened. I had um, helped him um, with resources. And I I don't think we can, we'll never understand the complete Um, sense of helplessness and with Vietnam veterans we felt betrayed betrayal is a terrible thing for a veteran to feel after we've served our country honorably and done what our ancestors in World War II and Korea and World War I had done and then we came home to a country that we were the enemy mm-hmm. and we were betrayed and we were, we met with hostility and cruel mean-spirited words so many even us women and the sense of helplessness and hopelessness so the vietnam vets got busy and with legislation in 1979 vet centers were opened and now there's over 300 there is a place to go where veterans can be with other veterans and feel safe and the resources our veterans know what the resources are but that sense of despondency, um, it's war. War is hell. And it does, something, it's, it does something to our psyche that never goes away. And some of us get through it, and others don't. And I think therein lies the, <clears throat> the difficulty in no matter how much we can love and support and wrap our arm, arms around these fellow veterans, they still feel this sense of despondency. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tough to know what more can we do. And of course, we should be doing more. And um, it's just one of these things that I think we have to, you know, war does terrible things to our psyche. It changes us. 
to the point where even if we have <clears throat> perhaps a loving family, a loving spouse, um, even those young men and women, and not, not always young, they're even my age and they're committing suicide. I'm 76 as of yesterday. I just Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Marine Corps birthday. Happy birthday yeah. yesterday to the Marine Corps. Um, and I think there's a lot of communities in Eve Helena, by the way, Montana, where I live, has the second highest suicide rate in the United States. So what I'm hearing, though, is that, like, you don't want to as you, you don't want to feel helpless as a as somebody who wants to help others. What we need to do is not give up. Oh, that's that's the thing. We just need to rally around and not mm -hmm. give up. I mean, yeah, maybe the problem is such that we can't. We can't, you know, can't fix it, and maybe, maybe the eventuality is going to happen. But the bottom line is that we just can't let people hang out there feeling despondent, feeling betrayed, feeling like they're not loved and supported, and like the appreciation isn't there. Well, I think one of the, the enormous strides that we've made is with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, and Vietnam veterans in particular said, never again will, one na will the nation forget its or treat its veterans um, disrespectfully. And so we've worked, Vietnam veterans have worked very hard <clears throat> to welcome them home, and, and PTSD is nothing to be, it's not a shameful, it's right. nothing to be ashamed of. It's a legitimate war injury. Thank you so much for coming all the way here. Yes. We really appreciate it. And, and for on your birthday, done. on 20 inches of snow, you still got on a plane and came here. Thank you so much. Dan, this place is amazing. You've done tremendous. I know your staff here. War Memorial, if you've not been here, even if you have, you've got to come back. Our, our newest exhibit downstairs, permanent exhibit, 64 recipients of the Medal of Honor from Wisconsin. It's open to the public. Um, and we're also part of a task force on suicide prevention with the VA. We're running that right here out of the memorial. We can talk more on that later because this is a pretty heavy topic. Yeah. But the War Memorial is a beacon of hope uh, here in this community. And we're working with about 35 other nonprofits. You spoke with one earlier today, CBI. They're part of this task force. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a living, breathing place. Not only is it a beautiful structure and meaningful, but what we're doing for the community. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Thank your you time. both thank for you. your service.